Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Pro Wrestling Powerhouse Radio presents... Live from Sydney, Australia... Wrestling's Rope Break. Nothing but the pro wrestling interviews you want to hear. Here is your host, Joel the Man O'Brien. Well, hello, wrestling fans, and welcome to the second edition of Wrestling's Rope Break. I am Joel the Man O'Brien, co editor of ProWrestlingPowerhouse.com. Coming to you like I always do from the land down under Sydney, Australia. Now I know it's been a long time between interviews for Wrestling's Rope Break. I think the last one we had was uh, Brian Alvarez from Wrestling Observer talking about uh, his new book, The Death of WCW, as well as just uh, pro wrestling journalism in general. But uh, from here on out, I make a promise to you to keep the content coming. Expect a massive influx of shows upcoming with pro wrestling talent you want to hear from, as well as talent you didn't even think you wanted to hear from. So with that in mind, stay tuned uh, for after today's interview, as I will be revealing, for those who haven't who don't know yet, the next monumental guest that we will have on our show next week, that being Wednesday, 9pm Eastern, only on PWP Radio. Maybe it's a former WCW World Heavyweight Champion. Who knows? Just uh, stay tuned until after the show. I'll give you all the details. But enough about the future. Let's talk about today. Now, usually I would be the one conducting the interview. But uh, today I'm kind of stepping back and letting one of my young PWP writers, 17-year-old Benjamin Francis Erie. I I hope I pronounced that right. He's coming to the plate with an exclusive one-on-one interview with former WWE, New Japan, and TNA superstar, Matt Morgan. Wow, what, a, what an interview we've got in store for you today. For those who don't know, though, uh, Benjamin is one of our newest contributors to PWP, and he's done some pretty damn good work uh, covering a bunch of topical issues on his Ringside Rust series. But he's also done work for the uber-popular UK group, Talk, which has their own YouTube channel, and it's quite predominant, so he's got some stuff up there, and he's also interviewed a, a handful of independent pro wrestlers, such as Championship Wrestling from Hollywood star The Hobo. Now, I didn't know about The Hobo, but if you want to know who The Hobo is, head on over to ProWrestlingPowerhouse.com to check out uh, Ben's transcript of the actual interview he, uh, he did. And remember, kids, this guy is only 17 years old. That's pretty damn impressive. So now that you know about the interviewer, let's get, in, let's get straight into the interviewee. What did Matt Morgan think of his time in WWE? Would he ever return? How did he even get into wrestling in the first place? All these questions and more shall be answered by TNA alumni Matt Morgan right now.
Okay, hello, I'm Benjamin Arier from Pro Wrestling Powerhouse, and man, we have a big one today. We are interviewing, we are interviewing the man, the myth, the legend, Matt Morgan. How are you, Matt? I'm doing very good, Benjamin. It's an honor to be your very first guest, man. I, I'm very uh, honored by that, and I, I think we'll have a good one, man. You know what, this is the biggest interview that I've ever, ever had. I haven't interviewed many people in the past. How did you become a wrestler? Okay, how I became a wrestler? Good question, Benjamin. I became a wrestler. Uh, I tried to become one in college um, while I was still going to school out in Hawaii. And um, I tried to call a place called the Monster Factory that was located in New Jersey at the time. And um, when I graduated in Hawaii, I was going to move back to New Jersey and go to this Monster Factory school, right? And learn how to be a wrestler. Well, I kept calling Larry Sharp, who owns it, and Larry kept hanging up on me um, because I said to him, he, he asked me how big I was, you know, what's your height, what's your weight, and I was like, oh, I'm seven feet, I'm, you know, at the time I was 382 pounds, and he was like, kid, you know how many times people, you know, mess around and say that, and then I get them, and they're like five feet tall, he goes, call me when you're being serious, and I called him again, I'm like, I'm being serious, I'm, I'm technically six, eleven and a half, sorry. And I'm 382 pounds. And Larry uh, hung up on me again. So I was like, crap, how do I become a wrestler, you know? So I graduated college, um, moved back to Connecticut, where I'm from originally. And um, while I was bouncing at a club, a friend of mine, um, he started writing for WWE Raw Magazine at the time. WWF Raw Magazine at the time. And a longer story short, he, he kept trying to get me to come up to Titan Towers which was in the next town over from where I lived, um, WWE headquarters, and I would work out there every Friday night in the gym with the hope of maybe one time bumping into Vince McMahon and letting him take a look at me kind of thing, you know? And uh, so eventually, after six months of going there every single Friday night to work out in their gym with my friend who wrote for their magazine, sure enough, I finally met Vince McMahon. You know, I shook his hand, told him what a fan I was, and all that kind of stuff, and uh, asked him, you know, like, I want to hear from the horse's mouth, you know, what do you suggest someone like me does if they want to become a pro wrestler? And uh, he gave me some contact information. Uh, um, he told me, you know, get, get, a, get a hold of Tom Pritchard as well as Jim Ross. And um, so I kind of kept in contact with Dr. Tom Pritchard a little bit more so than Jim Ross at the time. And um, I had zero experience, and Tom was the trainer at the time. So they did a show called Tough Enough on MTV that they were looking to start casting for. So that's when they suggested, why don't you try that? So that's what I did. I got picked for the show, and then the rest is history. I became WWE wrestler right after that show. <clears throat> Again, your, um, your career really kicked off when you were in Tough Enough. What was it like um, being in Tough Enough? It was surreal. It was any day you could get kicked off the show for sucking, because we all sucked. So it's just a matter of who sucked less, I guess. Uh, got to stay on the show longer, you know, and who showed the most potential. So I just try to work as hard as I could every day. But uh, I was definitely overweight. You know, like I said, I was 382 pounds. And for me to be a wrestler and kind of shape that a, a world-class wrestler I needed to be in, you know, 3, 382 is way too much. So I ended up tearing my knee because of that halfway through the show. And uh, 
pissed off. I had to go home, and they kicked, basically kicked me off the show because I was hurt. And uh, no longer than a week later, I got a call from Jim Ross, you know, in WWE, saying that they saw enough potential in me while I was out there. Um, basically, they assigned me to a developmental contract. And so that's, that's how I got signed. Sean, during your run, you teamed up with Brock Lesnar, am I right? Um, what was it like teaming up with Brock Lesnar and taking on John Cena and Chris Benoit? It was awesome. It was a good learning experience because I was in a ring, except for John. John was pretty new too at the time, but minus John, I was in a ring full of you know veterans that have been doing this for you know X amount of years. So I was very fortunate to be able to work and learn from some of the greatest guys of all time. You know. Um, I was in the ring every night, whether it was with an Eddie Guerrero, Chris Benoit, or um, Kurt Angle uh, on, a, on every single house show, it felt like, or uh, JBL as well, you know? So I had no choice but to improve, really. Do you think WWE could have done more with you, or could have given you, like, a better chance? Yeah, WWE, I mean, there, there's two things here. There's a big chunk of the story where that we're missing, where... Once Brock Lesnar quit WWE to go play in the NFL, and Nathan Jones, who was my tag partner at the time, quit while we were in Australia, that kind of screwed me a little bit because I, I didn't really have a path at that, at that moment. So instead of just releasing me, they sent me back down to Ohio Valley Wrestling Developmental League and to work on my skill. And then they brought me back up maybe six months later with a stuttering character, you know, with a speech impediment problem. And honestly, you know what? They could have told me to do anything and I would have jumped at the opportunity because I didn't want to be in OVW. I felt I should have been on the road at the time, you know? Full-time, you know, on SmackDown or Raw, not in OVW. So whatever they gimmick or moniker they gave me, I would have taken, you know? So so the stutter character came up. Uh, Vince McMahon pitched it to me. I loved it. And I tried to do the best with it I could, but that isn't who I am. And the fans shit all over it because... At the end of the day, they remember me just six months earlier talking just fine, you know, when I was on Team Lesnar. So, you know, as far as WWE, could they have done more with me? They can do more with everybody. I, 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 I can list 100 guys right now at the top of my head that WWE could be doing more with or they could have been doing more with in the past. Why? Who like? You know, so, so that doesn't make my situation any different. Um, the only difference with mine is I, I'm exactly what the prototypical Vince McMahon wet dream looks like. Seven feet, 300 pounds, steroid free, that kind of stuff. I, I can see your, you know, the, you know the, why you, you would say that, why they can, you know, they could have done more with me. But the best thing that happened to me was uh, my opportunity to go to TNA, where I finally got to be myself and be the blueprint, who ironically I've been doing in OVW while under contract with WWE. You know, all they had to do was just let me beat up Blueprint character on SmackDown or Raw, and I would, it would have been fine. It would have gotten over. Like, um, can you give me any wrestlers who you think that WWE could have done more? Dude, I can, I'm not going to list. I'm not going to list a hundred of them. There's a thousand of them that I could probably list. Anybody you can name, I'm sure that even right now, John Cena, I can even say right now, they could be doing more with. There's not a there's there's not a single guy on that roster that really can't say. You know, that 
I'm, I'm telling you, there's every single guy that's on that roster probably thinks that they can be having more done with or for them on that show. That's just the way a wrestler thinks. And the fans, they like to get behind it, and they like to go, oh, what are they doing? They should be doing more with Dolph, I, which I fully agree with, by the way. Um, but it, it, every wrestler can kind of make that claim to some degree. Seriously. So, like, I'm not going to list a thousand names. We'd be here all freaking day. So, like, if you, if you had a phone call from the WWE today and they asked you to come back, would you accept the offer and return to WWE? Oh, my buddy, you didn't do your research. This has already happened last year's Royal Rumble, and I didn't come back because I had a son. That's why I retired from wrestling. Oh, okay. I no longer wrestling. Yeah, I, yeah, I was all over the internet last year, homie. But that's okay. Oh, sorry about that. I made it, out to, it might not have made it out to England. But, um, yeah, well, I originally left TNA to go back to WWE, and um, that was the original idea. But then, um, you know, my, my, we've been trying to have kids for 10 years, and we couldn't. And then miraculously, by the grace of God, on year 11 to try and have kids, we did. And um, so that was enough for me to get out of the business. I want to be a dad. I want my kid to know who I am. And I want to be a father for my kid 24 hours a day, not just... One day a week, you know, I have other skill sets in life other than wrestling to provide for my family, you know, so I was smart with my money. I saved all my wrestling money and pay-per-view money and stuff like that between WWE and TNA, especially TNA, and, uh, you know, it just made sense to get out of the business and uh, be here for my kid, and um, again, when you wait for something for 10 years or being told that you can't have it, then you finally do, you don't piss on it and squander it by leaving him for five or six days a week. Now, for the guys that do do that as, as, as fathers, it's probably because they don't have as much of a choice as far as what their line of work can be. You know, I'm a magna cum laude college graduate. You know what I mean? I, I was blessed with other opportunities in life that don't involve wrestling, like I said earlier, to provide for my family. You know, right now I'm a regional manager for a medical device sales company. I mean, that, that's, that's, that's a job. You have to have a high college education. You have to be trained. Mm. You know, I'm going into different surgeries and, may, and giving doctors my opinions on, on, on certain venous and vascular surgeries that are going on. You know, so like that's that's not something so many knuckle-dragging Neanderthal can do as a job. But luckily, I'm blessed enough with the opportunity to do. And I'm here for my kid every day because of it. See what I'm saying? But to answer your question about the WWE... Um, I called both TNA and WWE um, around this time last year. As my son was born on January 7th last year, or this past year, I should say. And um, so I, it was right around after he was born. I want to say like the 8th or the 9th, and I just let both companies know that because both companies were talking to me about coming back. The TNA wanted me to come back, and then because um, um, I was going to have an opportunity maybe to work with, you know, John Gaburek, who now heads up the creative team with um, TNA Wrestling. He, ironic enough, was one of the deciding factors of me being picked on Tough Enough back in my day at WWE. So, like, I would have loved to have worked with him just because we're friends and stuff like that. So I legitimately was giving it an honest thought of maybe going back to TNA versus the WWE thing. But, um, you know, my, my plan was to come back for last year's Royal Rumble. And uh, I called both companies and told them both that I'm no longer going to wrestle. Um, you know, thanks for the opportunity and everything you guys have done kind of a thing. And just let, just let them know like that. It wasn't like some big, like, 
you know, I, super, I sound like super arrogant here, but it wasn't like some drawn out, like, retirement speech. It was just, you know, hey guys, I know we're in talks about coming back. I just want to let you know that I'm uh, no longer looking to come back to pro wrestling anymore, but thank you very much. Just to be professional, you know, and then left it at that. How did you originally shine with TNA? Like, how did they originally find you? How did TNA find me? Yeah. Well, I'm seven feet. I'm 300 pounds. That'd be pretty hard to miss. Um, Jim Cornette was working for TNA at the time. And um, he's a guy that was very instrumental in my development when I was in Ohio Valley Wrestling for WWE at the time. And um, uh, when I got released from WWE in 2005, I think it was, after my start on character, um, they, WWE suggested, suggested I go to Japan for a year or two work on my game, you know, get better, and most importantly, hopefully the American fans forget about that stuttering character, and then they can bring me back to WWE with a new character, you know, a couple years later, and I'll just stay in Japan for that time being. Well, after a while, I got pretty annoyed by that, you know, I was like, hold up, so I'm letting a company that's not paying me a dime control where I go wrestle, and, and, and you know what I mean? what I'm doing with my career, you know, I, I got I got kind of annoyed by it. So when I talked to Jim Cornette, he was a TNA, it just made perfect sense. He put me in contact with Jeff Jarrett. Jeff Jarrett, um, you know, was a big, big backer of, uh, he, he only knew that I could talk. He never really seen me work, but when we talk on the phone, he's like, look, I love your promos. I think you're somebody that we can do business with, but we got to get on Spike TV first before we can offer you something that's even, you know, worth offering you so um i waited we waited for a little bit and then i stayed in japan and then when they went to spike tv um i think it was the end of 2007 is when i uh started up with tna and what i consider by far my my best one in wrestling so would you have stayed in japan if you could so could they would stay in japan if i could yes yeah, so like if they gave you the options oh, yeah, yeah. I worked for uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling for about a year, um, and then I switched over to All Japan Wrestling, where I was also allowed to wrestle for a company called Hustle. And um, I tag-teamed with Mark Chindrak um, uh, an awful lot while I was in Japan. We did pretty well for ourselves, I thought. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a good deal. But um, when I was with New Japan, I had to make the jump to All Japan because... My wife was needing a surgery for something, and at the time, we couldn't afford the surgery because New Japan was doing, like, some cruiserweight pay-per-view or something like that, so I was going to be off at the next two months with no touring, so I was like, I need to do something, you know, so All Japan offered me a pretty solid deal. I could come in right away and start, you know, making money with them and getting a lot of bookings, so I just went to All Japan at the time. Plus, they had just lost A-Train back to New Japan at that time, so they definitely needed a big uh, monster gaijin at the moment, and I definitely filled the void for them for that. But it was a good experience. I got a lot more aggressive there. There's no question about that. Because if you, if you don't hit, I mean, they stiff you in that ring, they hit you pretty hard, and you don't hit back, you're the world's biggest pussy. You know, and then you lose all their respect. You know, not just the guys in the locker room, but the fans even. So... You learn to start really laying shit in, so to speak, well, you know, without hurting people, obviously, you know. And then, so when I came 
Um, how did you originally um, come up with the name The Blueprint? How did I come up with that name? Yeah. Um, uh, I was doing an interview in Ohio Valley Wrestling, and uh, Jim Cornette, huge fan of mine, like I said earlier, right? He did me a solid, huge, huge, huge favor where he was bringing in Kane, the big red machine, to come wrestle me, and uh, basically to test how I was coming along, you know, kind of like babyface versus babyface match for the show called the Kentucky, uh, what was it called? Super Summer Sizzler Series of Kentucky Kingdom, right? It was OVW's pay-per-view, big summer, whatever, finale, big pay-per-view kind of deal for them, right? And they, they would basically have a few WWE stars come in and wrestle the top OVW guys. And um, I was still greener than grass at the time in experience, but that was probably one of my biggest learning experiences was wrestling against Kane on that show. You know, and it, it was a really good uh, confidence booster to be like, you know what, I'm just as tall, if not taller than the rest of these guys. You know, so size-wise, I felt like I, I finally hit my mark because I'd lost a bit of weight to get in wrestling shape, and I was concerned that I might have gotten too lean or too skinny. But then when I was in the ring with Kane, you know, he was built very similar to me at that time. And uh, so that it was a good confidence booster for everything all around. And uh, But anyways, I was doing a promo to set that match up. And basically, Cornette, you know, started putting me over on the mic, saying, look, all the wrestling experts, man, Morgan, they're calling you the next big, they're calling you the next, next big thing in line. Right after Brock Lesnar, you're going to be the next, next big thing, and something like that. And I was like, look, Cornette, I'm not the next big anything. I'm the first. I'm the first walking, talking, living, breathing, running, jumping, athletic, good-looking giant that this sport has ever had. Um, and I go, hell, if I go, hell, if God can make the perfect giant, you're looking at him. I am the blueprint of the perfect giant. And, um, the name just stuck. What was your biggest regret during your TNA run? My biggest regret during my TNA run? Yeah. I don't have any regrets. I, I was pretty, uh, vocal. I didn't agree with shit. I, I pretty much said it. But, um... Oh, maybe I regret that. Uh, no, I really don't regret anything, honestly. I think you would, but um, I, I, I'll answer that better. Um, I, in WWE, my biggest regret was being too nice and uh, playing the part of the wide-eyed, inexperienced rookie and walking on eggshells versus being my true self and who I really was, even though I was inexperienced. I was very confident in my abilities, and I definitely in my opinion, looking back, should have just exuded that confidence more so backstage than pretending to ask questions because I don't I want people to think I'm arrogant and I, and I want to be, a, you know, a sponge to soak up information and just doing the things you think people want you to do as the new guy versus, you know, being a little more confident in my abilities and let my stuff in the work, let my work in the ring speak for itself. What's your views on racism in the WWE? Did you ask what my views on racism in WWE is? Yeah, because um, there was a recent incident with Alberto Del Rio. Racism? Yeah, racism. I, I, I'm probably not the guy to ask because I'm very Caucasian. Um, but from what I saw, everybody was pretty much treated equally that I saw. I mean, uh, I didn't really, nothing sticks out to me. 
you know? Maybe somebody else have a different answer to that because I never had to think to myself, maybe. I don't know. But I don't, I don't notice anything. I didn't notice anything that happening. Okay, so, like, what's it... What was it like backstage at WWE or TNA? It's a very, very big question, man. Um, what it was like, it was, um, I mean, that's you know, they talking about that. It, uh, it depends if you had a good match or not. You know, there's a lot of things that go into that, but the general, like TNA was a little bit more laid back backstage. I'm sure you've heard that a thousand times. People have answered that a million times in these interviews. That TNA is a lot more laid back backstage than WWE was because you're constantly walking on eggshells. But to my understanding, WWE's changed a lot because they've gotten a little bit more corporate and a lot more PG, and some of the older guys are no longer there, you know? So with that, you got a lot of the younger guys that are, you know, having to step up a little bit more as locker room leaders. And because of that, it's a more enjoyable experience, to my understanding. So I'm happy to hear that because that other shit was not good for business, in my opinion. Okay, um, so um, shall we now like wrap the interview up? You know, um, thank you for giving me the chance to interview you, and um, you know, I hope you have a good evening or good day. All right, buddy, I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks so much to Matt Morgan for taking the time out of his busy schedule to sit down with Benjamin and. And, and delve into some really fascinating insight and, into the crazy world that is professional wrestling. Uh, seeing as this was Ben's first ever big league interview, uh, Matt was such a champion, just uh, a- answering any question that Matt uh, that uh, Ben had and being so open and candid with his answers and really gave a great insight, as I said, into the industry. And I, I can't ask for anything more from a guest here on, on Wrestling's Rope Break. So thank you so much, uh, Mr. Blueprint, and best wishes to your family and to your own personal uh, endeavours. I hope he goes very, very well with whatever he is involved in in the future. And even more thanks goes to Ben. I mean, like, having that personal drive to go out there and land interviews like that at his age, like I said, damn impressive for someone his age. Uh, So something tells me that uh, this this isn't the last time I've seen Mr. Erie on Wrestling's Rope Break, if you ask me. Uh, If you want to get back to him or get in touch with him, by all means, you can follow him on Twitter at BenjaminEYR. Uh, any feedback's good feedback, guys and girls. So uh, send it his way and uh, tell him what you thought of the show. Okay. So who is on the show next week? Let's get the speculation out of the way. In case you don't know, it is none other than the former three-time WCW World Heavyweight Champion and well-renowned fitness guru, Diamond Dallas Page. Yes, DDP, the man himself, will be coming to you next Wednesday at 9pm Eastern only on PWP Radio to talk everything pro wrestling, plus a little uh, update on how his DDP yoga is pretty much sweeping the world. Definitely a humongous show in coming for you fans next week. I mean, like this guy went from the AWA in the 80s to WCW to WWE during its hottest period ever in, in, in recorded pro wrestling history. This guy has a ton of stories, um, yeah, and he's also got the, the rehabilitation that he's gone through with Scott Hall and Jake the Snake Roberts. We're going to be touching on that. So many things to get into, so so much to look forward to next week. So please do tune in to uh, Wrestling's Rope Break next Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern, only on PWP Radio. Now, be sure to follow... How are you going to keep up with all this? Because I know you guys are busy. 
Be sure to follow us on iTunes by typing in PWP Radio Network into your iTunes search bar. And so you can uh, re-listen to this interview. You can listen to next week's interview with GDP. You can listen to last month's killer sit-down interview with uh, Brian Alvarez from Wrestling Observer and all the other major shows that we have in store for you in the coming weeks. Believe me, guys and girls, there are a ton of good interviews coming up. I would hate for you to miss them. The way you don't have to miss them is by just uh, following us on iTunes, subscribing on iTunes by typing in PWP Radio Network. It's that easy. Well, that's all we have time for tonight. Thank you so much for listening. I'm pleased to send your feedback on the show to at Wrestling Outbreak, capital W, capital R, capital B, as it's the only way to make the show better. I need to hear what you guys and girls are thinking. Send it my way, and I'll catch you all on the next Wrestling's Rope Break. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.